Well, if you have your Bibles, grab them and turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Uh, Of Psalm 19, C.S. Lewis said, I take this to be the greatest poem in all the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. We get to read that today, Psalm 19. And uh, Psalm 19 is uh, my beloved, one of my beloved's favorite passages in all of scripture. So excited about getting to share uh, one of her favorite passages with you. This morning, we're gonna continue in our study on the voice of God. The last few weeks have been pretty rich for a lot of us. I've heard from many of you about how God has been speaking to you or how God has spoken to you in the past Uh, All of us uh, can say that God has spoken to us through his word. That's what his word does. His word just speaks to us. Uh, Some of you have said that God speaks through music, art, dance, literature. Uh, Some of you noted that God speaks through family or through friends, through people, through situations. Someone noted that God has spoken most clearly to them through suffering. I've got a couple of responses I thought I'd just share with you, one person said, God spoke to me when I was a kid, but I don't hear him much anymore. Another person said, God speaks to me all the time. He sounds just like my granddad. I love that one. Um, I like this one. God spoke to me once through your sermon. (laughs) Just once. God spoke to me once. Another person said, God spoke to me once, but I never actually hear a voice. Maybe that's like you, that God speaks in lots and lots of different ways. Maybe that last one is probably like a lot of us. God is speaking all the time, but we don't actually hear an audible out loud voice. David looks up at the skies. David, the writer of Psalm 19, he looks up at the skies And he sees God revealing himself in creation. And then David looks down at scripture and he sees God revealing himself in scripture. And then the last part of Psalm 19 gives us real indication that God is speaking to the soul and God's revealing himself in the stillness. God's revealing himself in the silence. He's revealing himself just in his presence. So Psalm 19, God revealed in creation. God's revealed in scripture God's revealed in the soul. If you're one of those people that say, I don't know, God doesn't speak to me. God doesn't speak to me. I wish God would say something. God might actually be saying to you today, I'm speaking all the time. I just want you to listen. Just listen. I'm always speaking. In the skies, God's revealing his glory. In the scripture, God's revealing his greatness. And in our soul, God is revealing his grace. So let me start with a quick story uh, and then we'll jump into Psalm 19. Uh, Most of you know that uh, in the fall of 2021, Christy and I uh, got to go on a sabbatical. We didn't have a big plan. We just knew we were headed west. We had a couple of stops along the way that we wanted to make. It was just the two of us, no hotel reservations, uh, just our bikes and uh, a couple of bags of chips and some paper maps. Do any of you guys remember paper maps? We actually had like a paper map and Christy had it on her lap. If you don't know what I'm talking about right now, that means you're probably under 30. Google paper maps. It's a fascinating concept. We had these paper maps and they were like all over the car. And as part of our trip, Christy would make these themed Spotify playlists. 
so that wherever we found ourselves, we had a playlist that kind of matched. So like when we were in Texas, we listened to Lyle Lovett's Live in Texas. And when we went to the Badlands National Park, we listened to Bruce Springsteen's The Badlands. If you're under 30 and you've never heard of Bruce Springsteen or The Badlands, Google, you got to check it out. It's amazing. When we were in Southern California, of course, we listened to The Beach Boys. When we were coming back through Oklahoma, we listened to Oklahoma, Oklahoma, you guys know that one? Homa, the musical? All right, never mind, forget it. Okay, moving on. When we got to the Badlands in South Dakota, we got there about sunset and we got to experience one of the craziest things we've just ever experienced in our life. We were both just like, what is going on? It was so beautiful. And there was this giant buffalo sitting right next to us and we were like, what is happening? It was so crazy. We'd never seen anything like it. We were just totally blown away. And the next morning, we're still in this sort of afterglow of all that had happened in the Badlands. And we're headed towards Wyoming to the Grand Tetons. And then we were going to go up to Yellowstone and a glacier and then across to Washington and down the coast. Somewhere in eastern Wyoming, the topography began to change. Somewhere in eastern Wyoming, things went from like flatlands. All of a sudden, there are these mountains. All of a sudden, it just like came out of nowhere. These majestic mountains, they just kept on going. And the sky just seemed like it went on for ages and ages. And I, we were on some random freeway headed west. And it was like we went through a portal. It was almost like we went through the wardrobe in Narnia. And we came out on the other side and we're looking at each other like, where are we? And it was actually, I'm not, I'm not making stuff up. I know sometimes you guys think I make stuff up. We started looking at each other and there were no words. <laughs> In fact, we started to weep at what we were experiencing around us. And Christy pointed out, look at these mountains. And I was like, look at these wildflowers next to this stream on some random freeway headed west. In the middle of nowhere, God showed up in such a way. And Christy looked at her phone like, there's got to be a song for this. And she looked at me and I looked at her and we were both like, there's got to be something. And then we both kind of said at the same time, it's Psalm 19. It's Psalm 19. It's Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day. They pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And in the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other and nothing is deprived of its warmth. Creation is preaching a sermon. Creation is singing a song. Creation is praising and declaring the greatness and majesty and wonder and awe of our good God. The heavens declare the glory of God. They don't talk so much about the grace of God. They don't talk so much about the mercy of God or the judgment of God, but they do tell you about God's glory. The glorious design of the universe speaks to the glorious designer behind it. 
The day pours out information about God and the night reveals knowledge to us. In other words, God is pouring into us from all dimensions if only we have eyes to see and ears to hear. I can't help but think about this little poem uh, from Elizabeth Barrett Browning when I read Psalm 19, earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush aflame with God, but only those who see take off their shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. This is taking off your shoes kind of stuff. I had a friend say to me that when he became a Christian, his world went from like watching a black and white TV show to full technicolor. He said, I began to be introduced to beauty. So what is God saying through his creation? In the days that we spent in Narnia, we talked a lot about this. What is God saying to the world through his creation? And what is God saying to us? When we got to the West Coast, uh, we met up with our daughters and our granddaughter and we were telling them about all our adventures. And I was saying, I think I see God bigger. God's bigger. I just can't get my head around it. I can't get my heart around it. Just God has just gotten bigger. I, I don't know what's happened, but he's just like, I just can't. It's amazing how, and one of my daughters said, Dad, the God of your understanding is just that. What you need is a God just beyond your understanding. Creation teaches us that this life is held together by an indescribable God. He not only holds the world together, he holds all of eternity in his hands. And he was and he is and he always will be holy. And our lives, yours and mine, are to reflect his goodness and his glory to a lost and dying world. In the second stanza of the psalm, um, David moves from God speaking through creation to God speaking through scripture. David moves from looking up to the skies to looking down at the word. These are verses seven, eight, and nine. How about if we do this? How about if we read it aloud? All of us read it aloud together, out loud. Here we go, ready? The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. Just keep this up for just a second. Anytime in scripture where you see the word Lord capitalized, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the Lord of Lords. It's the Lord of everything. It's the Lord of all things, Lord of all creation, Lord of all eternity, Lord of heaven and earth. So whenever we read that, it's that's who it's talking about. The law of the Lord is perfect and refreshes the soul. In scripture, God speaks to us about life and about death. God speaks to us about what's gonna happen after we die. Speaks to us about love and relationships and forgiveness and reconciliation. I want you to hang with me for just a second. I wanna just describe this just one, it's one more way, just real quick. If you have your Bibles, um, maybe you could just look at them or you can look up here at the screen. I'm just gonna get nerdy on you for just a second. 
each stanza, there's, I think there's six stanzas in this, this section of the poem. I think there's six stanzas here. And each stanza has three parts. And there's a title in each part. Uh, there's a title for God's truth in scripture. And then, then there's an attribute in each line. And then there's an outcome. So the law of the Lord, the title for God's truth in these verses that we just read, the law of the Lord, the statues of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commands of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the decrees of the Lord. That's the title for God's truth. In the middle there section, you can see the attributes of God's truth in scripture. God's truth is perfect and it's trustworthy and it's right and radiant and pure and firm. And then there's an outcome of living in God's truth. The outcome of living in God's truth is God's truth refreshes the soul. It makes wise the simple, gives joy to the heart, gives light to the eyes. God's word, the truth, endures forever and his word is righteous and true. Now, after hearing all that, I want us just to go back and read Psalm 19, uh, 7, 8, and 9 one more time. After kind of seeing that picture, I want us to read it one more time out loud together. Are you ready? Here we go. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. David is giving us a picture of the beauty and the power of Scripture. He's saying, this is what Scripture is, this is what Scripture does, and for those who will immerse themselves in this word, this can be the outcome of their lives. But it won't happen if we just read this book. It will only happen when we build our lives around this book. It's not going to happen by just coming to church and listening to it on Sunday. Living into this book is going to mean more than pulling a few verses from here or there. It might mean that there's times in which we just need to meditate on his word or to listen, to take in what his word is saying, not what we think it's saying, but what it's actually saying. Or maybe engaging others with his word. You probably know this, but scripture wasn't written for us just to read it on our own. It's always, always a communal word. Yes, it's for you on your own. Yes, but it's always, always a communal word. It's a book to be learned and it's a book to be lived in together. We're gonna to do this together. Eugene Peterson said in an amazing book called Eat This Book, Eugene Peterson said, Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture, we assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus's name. Hands raised in adoration of the Father and feet washed in the company of the Son. Those of you that know a little bit about Jesus' life, you know that he was a man of the book. He knew scripture. It's evident when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted by the evil one, each time Jesus responded with scripture. When Jesus was on the cross, when he was being crucified, he cried out Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? 
And when Jesus is preaching and when Jesus is teaching, he often references scripture. Let me just give you a couple of examples. John 10, 34, Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I've said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside. Jesus says scripture cannot be set aside. When Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, verses 17, 18, and 19, Jesus said these words, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus would go on to summarize all of these things by talking about love, right? Uh, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Let's go back to the psalm. Uh, psalm 19 let's go back to let's go back to the psalm verse 10 and 11 david says your word they are more precious than gold than much pure gold they are sweeter than honey than honey from the honeycomb and by them your servant is warned and in keeping them there is great reward Gold was the most expensive substance in David's day. And honey was the sweetest. There wasn't anything more sweet. It was the sweetest substance in David's day. And so he's saying, man, this is what it's like. David is testifying that God's word in and of itself holds the sweetest of truths. And in and of itself is the greatest reward. Okay, I've said a lot. Let me stop. Let me just ask a couple questions for you to consider. And the first is this, what's your relationship with scripture? What's your relationship with God's word? I'd love for you just to consider that. Maybe these are questions you could talk a little bit about uh, at lunch or after church or you could call a friend or when you read the Bible, do you read it as you ought, you should, why can't you, when will you? Or do you read it as you can, and this is who you now are? I love this last question. This is a great, it's a great opportunity for engagement at home or with a friend. It's to talk about where in Scripture you see yourself being named. Or where in Scripture you find yourself being known, or this passage of scripture right here reminds me that I am loved by almighty God. Where do you find that? Where is that in scripture? Just a couple questions for you to consider and maybe talk about later on. When I read God's word, I read it as a love story. It's a love story. It's not a history book. It's not something to be solved. It's not a mystery. It's a love story. So you can find yourself in these pages all along. Well, the next couple of verses in David's psalm, David moves from speaking about the skies, creation, from speaking about scripture, and now he's gonna talk about speaking to the soul, the spirit speaking to the soul. Verse 12 and verse 13. Who can discern their own errors? And then he says, 
Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. In the last couple of weeks, uh, we've talked about the voice of God, uh, had some of the responses I shared earlier, but the one response that I've heard consistently is that I don't hear God audibly. I don't hear a voice out loud. I've heard this time and time again. What I've heard is you guys say, God speaks in the stillness. He speaks in the silence. When Sonny spoke a couple of weeks ago about God speaking to him, he said, I just, I just, God just spoke to me. It wasn't a voice out loud. You, there was just a knowing. There was just an inner knowing. It was a presence. I think it's deep calling to deep. It's soul calling to soul. And most of us experience God speaking to us in those ways. And we can't control it or contrive it. It just happens. He just speaks. He just reminds us. There's this presence. There's a drawing or a comforting or a directing or a convicting or a challenging or a calling there's just this presence that opens our eyes to see or opens our ears to hear or opens our heart to love. Reminding us who we are and whose we are. There's just this inner knowing. God spoke to me. I, I don't know what he said. I just, I just feel comforted. I just feel a peace. I just feel a presence. Here, David is realizing through God's presence, through the stillness, he's realizing that there is a need for forgiveness. He's heard God speak in the skies and he's heard God speak in scripture and now he's recognizing the grace of God through his own soul. I think for a lot of us, we choose to sin. A lot of us just willfully sin. A lot of us make this choice, kind of an over-desire, as Tim Keller says, an over-desire for something good, these willful sins. But there are times when we really didn't do anything and sin just kind of splashes on us. Has that ever happened to you? Like you didn't surf your way into it. You didn't like do anything bad to get into it. But all of a sudden, sin just splashed on you. There are times when that happens too. In this broken world, that's what happens at times. Sin just splashes on us. And, there are, and then there are these times where there's this hidden there's this thing that's just been hidden and all of a sudden it just kind of lurks. It just comes to the surface. David is saying, forgive me of my willful sins, the things that I choose and make me aware of those things that I try to hide or that I'm not aware of. Make me aware of my tendencies or my places where I'm prone to sin. I know what they are, but make me aware, I can hear David say. We all want God to tell us something amazing. We all want him to say, hey, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We all want God to speak out loud. But I want you to notice here that when God speaks to David, God speaks to him about these places in his life where there's sin. That's what he's speaking to him about. And he's reminding him of grace. He's revealing grace in the midst of his sin. And David says, man, may they not rule over me. May these things not rule over me. One of the foundational truths that I learned as a kid, I continue to hold on to it today. Uh, it's found in Psalm 119, uh, verse 10 and 11. I love this. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands, the psalmist said. And then verse 11, I have hidden your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
I grew up in a real old-fashioned church with like the King James Version, and so I still have this in my head. I have hidden thy word in my heart that I may not sin against thee. I know that from growing up. I've said, Lord, I just want your word. I want to know your word. I want to eat your word. I want to live into your word. Not, so that I, not just so that I won't sin, but so that I'll know your way, so that I'll know your will, so that I'll know how to love and know how to receive love. I've hidden my, your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And then in response to all of this, David closes with this really beautiful benediction. He says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David is not seeing God as the judge. He doesn't have to state his case. He sees God as his rock. He sees him as his foundation, as his redeemer. It's a beautiful, beautiful benediction to Psalm 19. But I think it could also be a call to worship. Uh, I knew I was going to speak on this passage today and so it's been in my mind these last days when I woke up this morning I just said these lines as a call to worship okay God today may your word may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight Lord my rock and my redeemer it's a beautiful call to worship maybe as you think about ending your day you could just say it as a benediction or maybe as you Prepare to leave here in just a few minutes. Maybe this could just be a call to worship as we walk out. This could be a call to worship that God, I want the words of my mouth and the things that I think about, the things that I put my heart on today, I want them to please you in your sight. Not because you, not because I got to do something right so that you'll be pleased with me, just because I want to honor you. I want to honor you by the way that I live and the way that I love. Well, let's just leave these verses on the screen here and I'll close and I would just want just to invite you to just take a moment and to meditate. That maybe in these moments of quiet, you can pray or maybe you could huddle up with the people around you and pray together. Maybe this is a space where reconciliation can happen, where you can say, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Or a space where you can get up and ask somebody, you know what, I need your forgiveness. Or a space where we could go over and say to somebody, hey, I just want to bless you. I just want to remind you that I love you and that I'm for you. And then as God speaks and as you want to respond, just want to invite you as we always do that there's communion available. If you want to come and remember what Jesus accomplished on your behalf, I invite you to take communion. There's some folks that will be in the corners back here, the stairs. They're there just to pray with you or for you. So let's just take a, a couple of moments and, and be still, and then Sonny will come and lead us, continue to lead us in worship. So let's pray together.